Today we are ending our Four Flagler series. It's a series we've been in over the past month together. And in this series, we are revisiting a series we did a year ago when we were trying to understand what it means for us to be for people the way that God is for us. And I told you that this series is based on Romans 8.31, which says, since God is for us, who can ever stand against us? And we've explored in this series that there's a, a, a real sad reality with that verse. The sad reality is many people in our world don't believe it. Many people in our world don't believe that God is for them. And and some of the reason for that is that we as Christ followers aren't always doing the best job of representing God to the world. We often are known more for what we are against than who we are for. And non-Christians often look at Christians and think, well, if you're not for me, then your God must not be for me as well. But that can't be farther from the truth. God is for all of us. God wants us to help communicate that to our world. And that's what this series has been about. So in this series, we've learned that part of what it means in in week one, we learned part of what it means to be for people is to remove obstacles from them when they are trying to find Jesus. It should sound weird to us that Christians would put an obstacle in front of someone trying to find Jesus, but we have been really good at that over the years. And we actually learned from some early New Testament leaders who said, let's not make it difficult for people who are trying to find faith in Jesus. And so let's remove obstacles. Then in week two, we learned about Paul. The apostle Paul had a strategy when he was in the ancient city of Athens in an environment where they worshiped all kinds of gods. And so instead of walking into that environment, into that community and blasting them for worshiping all kinds of gods, Paul went into that community as a listener, as a learner. He found common ground with them and he told them about the one true God they were worshiping and didn't even know it. And he led many of those people into a relationship with Jesus. And that's a strategy that we should apply in our lives as well. Then last week, Tim challenged us to put our money where our mouth is. He challenged us to not just give of our time and our talents, but to give of our treasures as well. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And in the context of our church and our church family and what we're doing, today's kind of a special day for us. It's similar to what we did last year. We're going to invite our church family to not only um, give of our time and our talents, but to make a financial commitment to help us fulfill the vision that God has placed in our hearts as a church. We're gonna get to that in a minute, but let me be clear about a few things right up front. If you are new with us today, like maybe you're brand new, you're just checking out our our church or you're just checking out this whole faith thing, I'm so glad that you are here because today you're gonna get to see a group of people who are so serious about being for a community that we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. We're willing to make a financial investment in that. But you need to know this, today's message is not primarily for you. It's not for you. It's for our church family. So let me speak directly to our church family. If you're part of our church family and you hear me talk about this vision, you've heard us talk about this over the past few weeks, and your heart doesn't get stirred like you don't feel something stirring in you to say, I want to be a part of that, then I'm going to say something that probably no pastor has, has ever said, or it's rare for pastors to say, I'm going to say to you, don't give financially. Again, that's probably the weirdest thing you've ever heard a pastor say. I'm telling you, don't give. If you feel pressure 
to give, I'm removing the pressure. There is none. If you feel manipulated by me or anybody here, I'm removing that. I'm telling you, give somewhere else. Don't give here. Just want to be real clear about that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So if you can't give cheerfully to what we're doing as part of our church family, then again, feel no pressure. But if your heart is stirred, if you wanna be a part of something that we, we believe will help transform our community for Christ, then I wanna invite you to give financially. Make a financial commitment over this next year. Now, as a quick reminder about our Four Flagler vision, for those of you who may be new, again, we've talked a lot about it over the past uh, three weeks, uh, but it involves three primary things. It involves us being for our community, being for families, and being for the future. So being for our community has meant that we felt like God wanted us to start a care network last year and a counseling ministry to serve the people in our community who are in need. And guess what happened right after we started? COVID happened. And it was a great opportunity for us to get our care network off the ground so we could serve people in our community in their time of great need. We've also expanded our counseling ministry. We do biblical counseling out of our offices. And we are making connections with other uh, Christian counselors in our community and other communities to help people in their time of need. We've got a great need in our community and surrounding communities for good, solid, biblical counseling. There are are people that have so many uh, mental health issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues, and they need help. And we've got some exciting visions beyond just expanding our counseling ministry. So that's what it means to be for our community. The second part is means to be for our families. And we said that we've got so many children and students coming every Sunday morning that we need more staff to service them. We have between 150 and 200 children and students that come on Sundays. Like, can you believe that? Like, that just blows my mind. Like, I'm thinking as a kid, I didn't want to go to church. My kids love coming to church. There are many kids in our community. They love coming. Why? Because we've got some amazing staff and volunteers who are investing in them on a regular basis. And guess what? We have visions beyond just what happens here on Sundays. We have visions that go into our community. We want our staff, we want our volunteers to be able to step into our community. We're taking steps in that direction. I can't wait to tell you more about that in the future, but we're doing it right now. And uh, we needed more staff and more, more people involved in our children and student ministry. And uh, we're, we're grateful for those that have been involved in that. And the last part of that, uh, our four flag revision involves being for the future. And we said last year that we needed to buy land so we could build a building and have uh, our own home one day. And uh, this past year, we bought a piece of property, 16 acres, uh, down on State Road 100. And super excited about that, excited to have a building on that. Now we're in the super fun part of trying to figure out how big of a building it's going to be and how much that building's going to cost. That is really fun. And uh, we're kind of going slow through that, but we're working through that process. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on where we're at on that. So last year, our church family committed to give towards these things over a two-year time frame. We made a two-year commitment together uh, to give to that, and we are right in the middle of that. And so today I'm inviting more people. Maybe you weren't here last year. Maybe you weren't able to give last year. So I'm inviting more people to be a part of this. Now, if you did commit to give last year, 
You don't have to recommit this year. You've already committed. So we're just asking you to fulfill what you've already chosen to do. But if you weren't here last year or you haven't committed yet to this, we're inviting you to be a part of that. And I'll get into more of that in just a minute. But before we do, I want us to look at one more example of God being for us. And it centers around communion that we'll celebrate together today. We'll be in two passages in scripture that talk about this event. We'll be in John 13, then we'll be in Luke 22. John 13 tells us about the Last Supper when Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his closest disciples. And if you're new and you're not really familiar with the Passover meal, what that's all about, that's an ancient thing um, that goes back to the time that God freed the, the nation of Israel from slavery to the Egyptians. And so he asked them to celebrate this on a regular basis. So the Passover meal was a part of that celebration. And just crazy, that's not the only celebration that God asked his people to engage. So we have this weird perception about God. He's like the party pooper. But God tells us on a regular basis, I want you to celebrate the things that I have done. So that's part of what the celebration of the Passover means. So John 13 verse 1 says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I love that last sentence there. Jesus loved his disciples while I was with him. And he loved them to the end of his life on this earth. Some Bibles translate that last sentence as saying, now he showed them the full extent of his love. So Jesus didn't hold back his love and say, you know, I'm gonna keep you know, 80% of it back and just give you 20% until you engage a little bit more and then I'll give you a little bit more. No, Jesus gave us all of who he was. So he's gonna model that for us in John 13, and then he's gonna talk about something in Luke 22 that he's gonna do in a very powerful way. So verse four of John 13 says, so Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, if you're new to, to scripture, um, you're new to Bible culture, that might be a weird thing. You know, why would anybody wanna wash anybody's feet? But you need to understand, in that culture, in that part of the country, uh, that was very customary. See, as people would come to someone's house for dinner, if you were having a dinner party, you were inviting people over, it was customary to have someone wash everyone's feet because the roads were, were very dry and, and dusty and people were walking around in sandals. So they would show up at your house with dirty feet. And that's not a big deal if you're sitting at, on a table with, with chairs and your feet are under the table. But their custom was to eat around a low table, like a, a coffee table. They would recline around that table. So if you're reclining around a table and you're eating together, there's a really good chance someone's feet are going to be near your face. Okay? So you look over and, oh, hey, there's John's feet. Oh, man, look what he was walking in today. That's disgusting. So it was customary to wash people's feet. Aren't you glad we don't do that today? I'm really glad we don't do that. But I want to drill into that a little bit more. So we've got a, a picture here of someone's feet who need to be cleaned. And I want you to imagine what it must have been like to clean people's feet. The task of foot washing was often reserved for the lowest servant in the house. 
And I find it very fascinating that Jesus takes that position with his disciples. So Jesus took that position, modeled it for us. But for the lowest servant in the house, what they would need to do is they would need to have everything ready for the foot washing as people are coming in. They would need to have all the supplies, a basin, water, a towel. Uh, They would need to have an area set up for that. And then as guests come in, they would need to get down on their hands and feet and they would need to serve this other person coming in by washing their feet. Okay, now think about what's going on here. For some folks, maybe it's just, I'm pouring water over the top of your feet just to get the dust off. For others, maybe there's something they stepped in, like some gum, some donkey dung. Like, we're, like really, think about it. We're not really sure what all that meant, but as people are walking there, they're walking in like sandals, and stuff's getting stuck between their foot and their sandal as they're walking over and they're washing their feet, maybe scrubbing something off, not sure. And then they get to go to the next person and the next person and the next person. And if I'm that servant, I'm hoping it's not like a Super Bowl party. Like, you know, I'm hoping like we only have 10 people coming, not 50 people coming because I don't want to be down here doing this. Um, Then you got to clean up the mess that you've created. You know, washing feet is kind of messy. And so you have to clean that up for everybody. So doesn't that sound exciting? Anybody want to join the foot washing ministry that we're about to start? Like, I don't. That's, that's kind of gross. Listen to what Jesus said after washing his disciples' feet. In verse 12, he says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for, what's those last two words? Doing them. God will bless you for doing them. He didn't say God will bless you if you take a picture of this of somebody down on their feet and, and they're serving somebody else by washing their feet and you put that up in your office. He didn't say God will bless you if you learn this information. He said, God will bless you when you do it, when you follow my example by doing it. Now, two weeks ago, I was um, struggling with this last statement that Jesus made. I was driving home from work and thinking a lot about this message and how we can be for our community and what it means and how we can, I can challenge our church family to engage this. And I pulled into our neighborhood And I looked down my street and I saw one of my neighbor's trash cans was turned over and it looked like an animal had gotten in it and drug it all across the street. So I saw another neighbor coming my direction and they strategically drove around the trash and passed me. So I sat there thinking, well, I could do that. I could drive around their trash and get to my house. There was a side street to my left. I thought, well, I could turn left and then it would look like I didn't even see it. Yeah, yeah, those are some of the thoughts that I have sometimes. And then God interrupted my thought and said, hey, Trent, this would be a great opportunity for you to be for your neighbor. You know how you've been thinking a whole lot about how we could be for Flagler? This is a chance for you to be for your neighbor. And I said, 
well, you're right, God, it would be, but I would have to stop my truck. I would have to put my like hazard lights on so people don't run into my truck. I'd have to get out and I'd have to pick up their trash. I don't have gloves in my you know, truck. I don't know what's in their trash. I don't want to touch their trash. I'd have to put it in their, their trash can. I'd have to set it back up. I have to get back in my truck with germy, dirty hands, like what's in their trash? And I'd drive home in my truck like that. Like that's what I'd have to do. And he was like, yeah, do you remember washing people's feet? Remember what Jesus modeled? It involves sacrifice. It involves inconvenience. It involves mess. It involves you cleaning it up. So I'm like, okay. Put my uh, hazards on, get out of my truck, clean up their trash, put it all up. And I'm walking back to my truck, like looking at my hands going, like, I don't, I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to touch my steering wheel. And I had this thought. I thought, I hope they find out what I did for them. Isn't that a very shallow pastor? Yeah, I have some shallow thoughts sometimes. There are moments I'm a shallow person. And Jesus, God interrupted me again and said, listen, Trent, you're not getting it, okay? So the point is not about you. You're the foot washing servant. The point is not to bring attention to what you do. The point is for people to see me through you and for them to be drawn to me. So the whole idea of being for Flagler, it's not about us. It's not so we can pat ourselves on the back. Hey, look what we've done. It's not about that. It's about us getting on our hands and knees. It's about us rolling up our sleeves, getting a little messy, a little inconvenienced, giving of our time, talents, and treasures so that other people can see Jesus, not us. Now, over in Luke 22, uh, it continues on in this story. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says after he washes his disciples' feet. And I want you to listen for the four language that Jesus uses. Verse 14, it says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, this, take this cup and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So Jesus said, my suffering is for you. My body will be broken for you. My blood will be poured out for you. Everything about that Passover meal that Passover celebration, that communion that, that we celebrate to this very day, everything about that was Jesus' attempt to help us understand that he is for us. And the thing that ties John 13 and Luke 22 together is Jesus' command, now go and do what I've modeled for you to do. The really cool thing about our church family is I see people doing this stuff all the time. I see our church family helping us learn what it means to be for Flagler on a regular basis by giving of their time, talents, and their treasures. And it is an honor to see that kind of stuff happen. And I want to tell you about 
one group of people. They're part of one of our four Flagler groups that I'll tell you a little bit more about in just a second. Um, but there's a, a group that we have that saw someone in need, God, God put someone in front of them. They saw the need and they said, we want to give of our time, talents, and treasures so that person can understand that God is for them. He's not against them. I want to tell you this person's story. So I'm not telling you about the group that did the, this serving. I'm telling you about the person on the other end that received it. And she's now part of our church family. So I want you to listen to her story as written by her, okay? So she says this. Raise your hand if 2020 was hard for you. Put your hands down. 2020 was without a doubt the worst year of my life. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I'm a 28-year-old former teacher turned stay-at-home mom to a toddler during a pandemic, a miscarriage, a high-risk pregnancy, a lightning strike that caused a house fire, living in a hotel for five weeks, then moving to two different condos for two additional months, moving home with a toddler, a husband, a 30-week-old belly to an incomplete house without functioning bathrooms or a kitchen. Sounds rough, right? Well, that's where the plot thickens. Now, 32 weeks pregnant, getting divorced via text, infidelity, lawyers involved, a toddler, a high-risk pregnancy, preterm labor twice, a house that was still in shambles, knowing nothing about my current financial situation, an emergency C-section, and a trip to Wolfson's Children's Hospital via ambulance alone with a six-day-old on Christmas Eve. I think I win. Unfortunately, I was living a lie. I walked into Epic on January 10th, 2021 with a two-week-old and a 20-month-old. I was broken, I was scared, I felt alone, I felt unworthy. I was the person who didn't do church, but at this point, I was desperate. I needed hope. Most importantly, I needed him. Trent asked everyone that morning, how's your soul doing? I immediately began to cry. I hugged my friend, admitted my soul was weary, it was anxious, it was scared. I also had to admit that I needed help. The next thing I know, a team of men and women are asking how they can help me. What can they do to serve us? They arrived at my house with dinner for my boys and I, mopped my floors, hung a light, fixed my fence, pulled my weeds, no questions asked, no strings attached, something I definitely wasn't used to. That day they became our chosen family. They were handpicked for us by his gracious hand. From that moment on, I was hooked. Every Sunday, I felt like God was speaking directly to me. Epic welcomed my sons and I with open arms from the moment we stepped foot onto campus. I walked in as a girl who felt worthless, a girl who was scared, a girl who was unsure of what's to come next, and I sit here today as a woman who is confident that he has a plan for my boys and I, that he will give us hope, and that he will give us a future. I am able to sit here with grace in my heart, sing through the song, and know that beauty will rise from the ashes. Our lives may not be perfect, but our story is perfectly imperfect due to his grace and mercy. In January... I walked in here alone, and I sit here today as a strong and courageous woman with a family that was chosen for us by him. My epic family believed in me on days that I didn't believe in myself. So for anyone who is struggling or living in a storm, I encourage you to open your heart and allow Christ to enter and wrap his arms around you. I promise you won't be disappointed. Isn't that an amazing story of life change that happened because a group of people at Epic said, you know, it's not about us. We're willing to give of our time, our talents, and our treasures 
so that this young mom will know that God is for her. Because of their sacrifice, I had the privilege several weeks ago of leading her into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, that will never get old to me. I will never get tired of helping people understand that God's not mad at you. God's not disappointed in you. God loves you. He's crazy about you. He's for you. We have thousands of people in our community just like this young mom. What I'm asking is I'm asking you, if you call Epic your home, I'm asking you to help us serve them. Help us wash their feet. Help us let them know that God is for them by how we take care of them. And if you're not part of one of our four Flagler groups, I encourage you to to be a part of that. If you're not in one of our small groups yet, we've got an info meeting right after this service. It's over in the teacher's lounge in the Wadsworth side of our auditorium. If you go towards the women's restroom, you'll find that. And uh, you can hear more about what it means to be in one of our four Flagler groups. It's just a three-month commitment, six meetings, Uh, One time a month, you're you're being equipped, and then the next time in that month, you're actually serving, and we help you get started in serving, but it helps you begin the journey of learning to serve the person God puts right in front of you. There are a lot of people, again, in our community who desperately need a group of people to come along and say, you know what? I'm willing. My Savior modeled it for me, so I'm willing to roll up my sleeves, get on my hands and knees, and wash your feet so you can be eternally changed. So I hope that you'll be a part of one of those groups. If you call Epic your home, I'm asking you to give your time and your talents by getting active and serving here. And if you call Epic your home, I'm asking you to give of your treasures as well. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So I truly believe that investing in things like our four flagler vision will help us store treasures in heaven and it will help us impact people for eternity. Over the past 11 years, we've seen at least 696 people put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And every person who has given financially or given of their time and their talents has played a part in those people's stories. So again, I'm inviting you to to be a part of what we're doing by getting active in serving, by getting active in giving of your treasures. Now, when it comes to giving financially, remember, there's no pressure. There's no manipulation If your heart is not stirred, do not give. If your heart is stirred, and if you call this your home, I ask you to make an eternal investment. I want to explain our intention cards and how we're going to do this today. So on your seat is an envelope that looks like this. And if you'll reach into that envelope and pull out that card, I ask everybody uh, to do that because there's several ways that you can participate in being for Flagler. And one side of the card says at the top left-hand side, it's got our Romans 8.31 verse. And so if you would turn to that side first, we'll start there. And uh, again, it says, since God is for us, who can ever be against us? Being for someone can not only impact them today, but it can impact them for eternity. So this next year, who can you be for and how can you be for them? Then right under that, there's a a blank spot where you can, can write the name of a person 
that's in your life. Maybe someone in your family, maybe someone in your neighborhood, maybe someone you go to school with and you could write their name down. Maybe it's someone who doesn't understand what God has done for them. And yet God wants you to be for them. So I'd encourage you to take a a few seconds while I'm talking about the rest of this and maybe identify a person and write their name down. Then under that, there's an opportunity for you to write how you can be for them. And, uh, you know, just write a few bullets down. Like, I don't know what that would look like in your context and your relationship with them, but, but you do. So just write those things down. And then our elders and our prayer team are gonna get this information and we are gonna pray for you and for them. We're gonna pray for God to do significant things as you are serving them this next year. And let me, let me be clear, if you have... Uh, already made a financial commitment, then this is the side that you would fill out. Again, I encourage everybody to fill this out. Even if you're not part of our church home, um, you could still be for someone and write that information down without making a, a financial commitment. So again, that's that side. Now, the other side, on the top left-hand corner, it says Epic Church's Generosity Goals. And again, it highlights the three aspects of our four Flagler vision. On the right-hand side, it looks like a math problem. Now, I just want to walk through this for those of you, again, who are part of our church family, uh, who are new with us, who have not made a, a commitment yet financially to this. I'm going to walk you through what this could look like for you. And as I walk you through this, you, you need to, to understand that I'm just going to give you some specific numbers, but these numbers may be way high for you. You may hear me walk through this and you go like, you got to be kidding me. For others of you, you'll see this and you'll go, well, that is way low. So again, I don't know where you are financially. I'm just giving you an example of what it could look like for you to fill this out. Okay, so here we go. The top line, it says, what I or we normally give. So let's just say that you have been in the practice of giving about $5,000 back to God through a church home. Okay, so let's just say that that's your practice. All right, so you would write that number down there. And then the line below that is our expanded or my expanded annual giving to four flaggers. So maybe God says like, hey, I want you to stretch that a little bit, give a little bit more, maybe increase what you're giving to to church, maybe increase your tithe, maybe your percentage giver and you're stepping to a tithing level or whatever. I don't know. So maybe God asks you to increase that a little bit. So you would write that amount down. Let's just pretend that you write down 2,000. You think that that's what God wants you to do. So 5,000 plus 2,000, 7,000. Um, I'm, I'm really great at math. So I know I wowed you with that one. So 7,000 would be your new normal in a one-year time commitment that we're asking you to fulfill that. Then if you look down at the, the next line underneath that, it says stored gifts. A stored gift could be anything. It could be something like, uh, you know, you're going to get a, a, a tax return this year, or you've got a portion of your stimulus uh, check that, that you would like to set aside for that. Or you've got an old baseball card collection under uh, your dresser. And you're like, let me sell that. And like, I have no idea what a stored gift could be for you. It could be any number of things. But let's just say that you identify something and you sell that and, and you've, you think God wants you to give $3,000 of that. Okay. So we add all that together, that would be a $10,000 commitment to being for Flagler this next year. So that's what that could look like. Now, at the bottom of that, you'll see that we're asking you to put your name, your phone number, and your email. And right there is where people go, oh, that feels like really official. 
Like someone's going to know what I'm committing to give and they're going to judge me based upon what I'm giving and I assure you that's not going to happen. There are two staff members who know the commitments that people make and I'm not one of them. Two staff members know this information because they have to for accounting purposes and tax purposes. So for the people who would like to get a tax uh, benefit for giving through our church family, we need to know who you are and how to give you that information when tax time comes, which is which, you know, happening right now. So that's the reason that we ask for that information. If we need to follow up with someone for, for some reason, we're not exactly sure what's, what's said here, then we can follow up, make sure you have the right information or we have the right information that you've put down. So um, the commitment we're asking Again, is for one year. And let me um, remind you of what it says on the front. It says intention card. This is not a 30-year mortgage note that you are signing, okay? So in this next year, if you need to make adjustments up or down, you do that based upon your relationship with God and what God is saying to you. Now, let me tell you how we are going to fill these out and then turn them in today. So we're gonna celebrate communion around this. This will be an opportunity for us to celebrate communion and turn in these cards. And if you're new with us, uh, we believe communion should be open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So whether you call this your church home or not, we would love for you to celebrate communion with us. And uh, we practice communion by getting out of our seats and moving up to some communion stations. And today, our communion stations are all up front here next to our four flagler So for those who are filling out our cards, again, we ask everybody to fill out the one side, the the Romans 831 side that says, this is who I want to be for this year. We ask everybody to fill that side out. And then the other side, we're asking people who are new to us, who are part of our church family, want to be part of our vision uh, for you to fill out that side. So after you fill this information out, you can just slide it in your envelope and then uh, you can uh, bring it up to our four Flagler boards. And as you come up to our four Flagler boards, uh, there's a stool next to our board, and each board is cut out in the shape of our county. So that's the shape of Flagler County. That's why it looks like that. And as you come up, just pin your board. Take one of the the tacks that are on that stool and pin your board to our four Flagler board. And then move to the right or left, and you'll get the communion elements there. And uh, let me explain the communion elements for a moment, moment and explain if you are watching online, there's an opportunity for you to go to our website and go to theepicchurch.com and you can find an intention card there under our four Flagler tab. So if you find that, uh, then if you'd like to make an intention, a commitment, then you can do that as well there. Now, with our communion elements, you'll find the elements are contained in one container. So we've got a wafer and a a little juice contained in one container. And uh, I need to explain for those of you who are new. If you're not new, you're a regular tender, you've got the routine. But if you're new with us, you need to know that uh, these things can be a little tricky. There's two lids on our little containers. There's one thin lid that reveals the wafer. If you don't find the wafer first, you are going to struggle to find the wafer ever, okay? So peel off the thin layer first, and then you can take the wafer, which represents Christ's body, which was broken for us, and then you peel the thicker lid, which reveals the juice, which represents Christ's blood, which was poured out for us. 
So again, that's just a little technical issue that you'll need to be aware of when you're fumbling around and asking God to forgive you because you're getting aggravated as you're up front, okay? I'm letting you know right now about that. Okay, so how we're gonna do this is I'm gonna give you a few minutes to just you know, pray through. God, what do you want me to do? If this is part of your church home, you wanna be part of our vision. God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be for? And fill your, your cards out. And as we do that, I'm gonna ask for our lights to come up just a little bit. So it's a little easier to see. And while you're working on that, I'm going to invite our worship team to come out. They're going to get in position, and then they're going to help prepare us for communion. So um, I'm going to give you some moments to do that. Go ahead. Okay, everyone. Hopefully you've had enough time for that. Again, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks. And um, as you come up, I just remind you to pin your envelopes to our four flagler board and then pick up the communion elements and then you are free to either step off to the side and uh, have a conversation with God or come back to your seat and you are free to take communion whenever you are ready during our communion song. So we're not taking communion all together at one time. Um, You'll be taking communion individually as you are ready in your own heart to do that uh, during the context of this song. So we're going to bring our lights back down, and I'm going to pray. And then uh, Matt and our worship team is going to close us today as we celebrate communion. So let's pray together. Lord, I I thank you so much for what you have done for us. Lord, the, the sacrifice that you have made on our behalf Lord, I, I, we can never get away when it comes to communion time to, to look at what you've done in scripture and what you modeled for us around communion and what we are supposed to do with it. So Lord, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, it says on the night when, when you were betrayed, you took some bread and gave thanks to God for it and you broke it in pieces told your disciples and you're telling us again to this day, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, you took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread, And drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So Lord, what an honor it is for us to celebrate communion again today, knowing that, Lord, one day you are coming back. And Lord, we believe you're coming back soon. So we have an assignment. That assignment that you gave us, Jesus, was to wash people's feet was to look for people who don't understand that you are for them and to do everything we can to help them understand that. Give of our, of our time and our talents. Give of our treasures as well. So Lord, this is an opportunity for us to make any eternal investment in the lives of people around us. We're grateful for the investment that you've made in our lives. Thank you for being for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
you are free to get up from your seats whenever you're ready and come up and take communion.